What are you wearing over there? I'm wearing my Youth Australia merch. Youth Australia merch? What an amazing idea! That's pretty good! Maybe we should do that if you guys want some merch! Wow, hit us up if you'd like to see some merch. How cool would that be? Would love to hear from you! Yes. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that went well! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Youth Australia Podcast. We're back with a brand new set, which we are really enjoying because it's super comfortable. Uh, Last set was nice, it looked nice, but it wasn't so good for uh, our backs. <laughs> and, uh, We're lazy cuts. Well, that's not the only thing that's comfy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, check out this wonderful Youth Australia merch. Maybe coming soon. Yeah, don't do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> back. Anyway, we're back with another instalment in our testimony series. And we heard from Ethan last week, which was fantastic. Yeah. Had some great words. Uh, today we're going to be hearing from Levi. That's right, yeah. Uh, should I just get straight into it? Or do we have any announcements really? Not really. Just get keen. The announcement video is coming. We've got an announcement video, big stuff happening. Yeah. Should we drop in a week or so? A week and a bit more? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. We'll say that. By the end of July. <laughs> we'll get that. <laughs> It's coming. That's all you need to know. All right. Well, I'll get right into it then. So, um, yeah, this week's my testimony. We had Ethan last week, and next week will be John. <laughs> um, now, Ethan explained last week that he had before Christ, during, and then after. Now, mine's not going to be kind of like that. It's going to be more of a situation, how God's helped me. Mm. And I need to explain now that my testimony isn't finished. I'm still working through it right now, but I'm going to bring that up at the end. So I'll jump right into it. I've got all the notes on my phone. Cool. Right, yeah. So um, I'm Levi Field. I'm 18 this year. No, last year. 19 this year. <laughs> <laughs> I know you already. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, as a kid, had a pretty good upbringing. Um, I was raised in a Christian family, so I knew God at an early age. Um, I went to church most weekends, if not all. Probably close to all, but not all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing particularly bad happened as a kid for me. Uh, everything seemed to go fine, and that was really good. I was raised with mum and dad, had my brother Joel there. I uh, went to a pretty good school as well. But during that school is when I had the main problems in my life. Nothing to do with the school, just personal things. But, um, I'll start in year in kindergarten. So <clears throat> my school, I was, in, I was born and raised in New South Wales, which, as you know, is better than Queensland. <laughs> yeah, I had to make that comment. <laughs> I did. I yes. have it in my notes. <laughs> we won't bring origin into this, <laughs> but it matters. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it matters. <laughs> but it <did> matter. <laughs> yeah. So um, I also went to a school called Charlton. Not the same Charlton that Ethan went to. It's called yeah. Charlton Christian College. Uh, it's in Fassie Fern, which is a small little area in New South Wales. Um, yeah, so that school, it goes from kindergarten all the way through to year 12. So 13 years of schooling in the same school. <clears throat> I did all 13 years there. Didn't change schools once. So I kind of knew everyone as well, which helped with a lot of situations. But <clears throat> during that, I didn't have many friends at the start of school life. So from kindergarten through to year three, 
I had one best friend. Absolute legend. You could hang out with him, talk about literally anything. He was so cool. In year three, halfway through year three, he comes to school and he goes, hey, Levi, um, I'm changing schools. And I was like, oh, what school? And I couldn't tell you what school he moved to at that time, but it wasn't long until afterwards he moved, not just schools, but from away. So he moved away to Perth, which is a distance. <laughs> but uh, so coming from having one close friend and no one else, no one really else matters, I had one good friend to not really anyone. It was really hard for me and I didn't know what to do. So I was kind of like, during recess and lunch at school, just be walking around not knowing what to do. Uh, I eventually just started playing handball with the guys in my class. Was pretty close with them. Like I was never, I never had that connection with them though, which was a problem. Like coming from a friend I had a good close connection with to, oh yeah, these are my friends, but they're not close friends. It really just kind of messed me up for the rest of junior school. Uh, I prayed about that a lot, and this is how God really helped me out. So as I said problem God helped me and that's going to be my kind of testimony today so I prayed about that a lot and it took a while I was praying all through year four year five came along and that's when I met one of my best friends still to this day absolute legend good to talk to good mate and I started making more friends so that all happened when I was going through this really tough season didn't know what to do to getting an actually decent friend that was great for year five but at the end of year five and pretty much through till year six and the start of seven, I copped a lot of bullying, just about different things. And it got really bad for me to the point where I'd fake sick to not go to school and I'd have heaps of time off for little things. And it'd be like, mum wouldn't know, no, it's not, I'm actually sick. And I'd make up the dumbest excuses and at one point I think I had like two weeks off in a row, just avoiding school. And it really wasn't good for me. And I pretty forgot about that a lot. And once again, it took a long time for that to get fixed until the teacher, nicest lady I've ever had as a teacher, uh, she pulled up some people for me because I was still friends with these people that were with me. I don't think they knew how that was affecting me either. And she's like, listen, it's not, it's not on. And it got fixed after that. Sure enough, a week later, everything was fine. It was awesome. And that was like the first time in a while since I felt relaxed at school. And I could go to school and be happy about going to school. And coming from not going to school for like two weeks at a time, it felt weird. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything was fine during that. I'm just going to pull up my notes now because I don't know what's going on. That's great, man. Yeah, so that happened a lot all the way until I think it was year nine. Yeah, it would have been year 9 for me, so I would have been 16, I believe. Someone can do the math at grade grade last year, if that helps. Uh, that should be right, though. Um, I mentioned before my brother, John. So we're at home, and my mum looked at him and goes, Did you get a black eye, John? And he goes, well, no, why? And if you look at his eye, it was kind of like slightly... You can see it was kind of like pushed out of his face a little bit. And he didn't have a black eye, so they didn't know what to do. So my mum works at an optometrist and she goes in with him to get a scan and they noticed there was like a big build up behind his eye and I wasn't really sure about what happened there because at that time I was actually sick for like a week. I was really bad with a bad cold and so it got so bad that mum just rang me up on home alone and she goes, yeah, we're just going down to Sydney Eye Hospital, 
don't know what's wrong. And I was like, yeah, okay. I didn't take much about it because I was so sick, I didn't really think. And it would have been a couple of days later when Dad comes home. Like, he came home every night, obviously. But he comes home and goes, you got to stay in your names for a while because we don't know what's happening. I was like, yeah, okay. So I went there. And then when I got over my cold fully, I went into the go- I went down to Sydney with them. And basically what happened was, I honestly, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened when I was down there. But something went wrong and my brother ended up in ICU, which if you don't know, is the intensive care unit at a hospital. And mum never really explained exactly what was happening. But we're sitting in the hotel room and she literally just sat me down and said, listen, we don't even know what's going to happen during these next couple of weeks. Anything's happening. And that, that really hit me hard, obviously. And I didn't even think about school for a while after that. And this is where God comes in. So my pastor at the time, the old church I went to, I think he was down there to see someone else. And just by luck, ran into my parents. And he came in to see my brother and in ICU. And for what I was explained, he wasn't really responsive at all. He would just be kind of like staring at the TV in his room and not really responding. And he sat down and prayed for him. So I have to go, I'm sorry, left. And just like that, my brother was just like, oh, I'm back. And it was a really powerful moment hearing that for me. And it was good then. Like his eye was still big. It was still like bulging a bit. He was still in ICU for about four or five days after that. But from literally not being able to react to literally getting out of ICU was amazing. And they figured out what it was in his eye. I've got it written here, so I don't forget it. Mm, yeah, so it was called an ABM, and that stands for, I'm going to try, arterial venous malformation. And it's basically a bunch of your blood vessels and everything in your brain building up and kind of getting mixed together. And it affected and connected in his eye as well. And normally that's curable. And most of the time, people are born with it. And it'll take about three years to cure. But his was really big, so they couldn't really do much about it without him affecting him even worse than it was. All it really was affecting him was he could see out his eye, which is slightly bulging, and his balance wasn't perfect. So nothing to do really. So he came home, perfectly fine, got back to school. Nothing happened again for a while. I'll leave it at that and then come back to just progress that story at the end. But God really pulled through in that because it affected the entire family. Like my nan was at home and I'm ringing her up and she was miserable. My auntie and my cousin and my uncle came down to see him. I was with them for a while while they were down there because you only allowed two people in the ICU at the same time. So I spent a lot of time with them. I was a lot younger then, so I couldn't just chill at a hotel and sit in by myself. And yeah, it was affect it was affecting everyone. But we got through it because of that just prayer from our pastor was really awesome. I'll leave that story for now and come back to it. But yeah, so everything went back to normal. He came home, went back to school as I said, and we just got back to life. Now in year ten, year ten is kinda of like the part of your life where you're like, what should I do after school? I've only got three years left, including year ten. And I had no plan. Like there's nothing I really excelled at where I can go, oh, I'm actually generally interested in this job. And I didn't know what to do. And I prayed about that a lot. And nothing came to mind. And we're talking months later. We're just driving with mum. I think we're in Matthew's drive-thru, actually. And she goes, you ever talk about youth ministry? And it never actually crossed my mind before about youth ministry because it was just something like I always went to. I never really thought I'd ever do. 
And I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of brushed off at the time because you know, massive brushes. <laughs> I, I had something on my mind, you know. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> give them cheese. 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 Nice guy. But um, later on, I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting. And one of my other best friends, he came up to me one day and he goes, all right, you were, you were talking about youth mission. I was like, oh, you kind of. In year 11, there's a vet course, which I cannot see what it stands for. Vocational education something. Training. Something, yeah. And he goes, there's a vet course for ministry and theology, certificate three. And I went, oh, that actually sounds really interesting because I didn't always go to equivalent for my subjects for year 11 and 12. And the more I looked at it, the more I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. And I left it at that for a month. And then at the end of the year, I decided, yeah, I'll do that because I've got nothing else to do. That was like the greatest course I've ever done in my life. And I learned so much from it and I met some good people there. Good teacher, everything was great about it. But it didn't really help me figure out what I was going to do after school. Like, oh yeah, I've done the ministry course. What did that do for me? I think it was close towards the end of the year. We had a few people come in from Evil Eyes, which is the course that three of us here are doing. And I didn't even think much about it, but I just kind of wrote it down on my phone. The contact number and email of our teacher. I just wrote that on my phone and left it at that. Did that course, it was only a one year course, finished up, got my certificate, winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, year 12 hit, and I was just living life. I, <laughs> this is where it gets a bit bad, but I'll finish up the story quickly. Um, it then led to me doing Youth Alive this year, having a goal in mind, going further than just my, oh yeah, Youth Ministry's pretty cool. <laughs> got, from that quick, like, from that year of just praying, months of no response, God has opened so many doors through this course that I've done. And I've learned so much about what I should be doing, what I want to be doing after school. And that was amazing. Like once again, as I've done a story about a lot of patience, a lot of time doesn't just happen instantly. But we got there. I'm gonna bring it a bit darker now. Uh, this is gonna be wrapping up the testimony. When I said at the start, my testimony's not finished, it's because I'm still going through this right now. So um it would have been Year 11, my brother and I were in the same class because year 11 to 12s, we had this, our school did this thing where we did HC but called Focus HC to do three years one year and then three, sorry, three subjects one year and then three the next. And so you do year 11 and 12 together. And my brother and I were in the same society, studies of religion, there we are. <laughs> we did the same course and it was around prelim exams, I think, and one morning, he goes up to my mom and goes, I can't see out my right eye at all. Now, at the start, I said his left eye was the one that was bulging. He could see out that just fine. He couldn't see out his right eye at all. Mm-hmm. And that threw me off because every time that sun came up, I just couldn't deal with it. And so I just kind of flunked my entire prelims. It was great. <laughs> and then went down to Sydney Eye Hospital again. This time I went with him. And he was in hospital for a few days there. Didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mom just kind of, I just kind of stayed in the hotel room we're at because, once again, like, it was an ICU. You only allowed to sit a few amount of people at the same time. And anyway, so they, they said, oh, listen, it's not looking great. There might be a bit of pressure built up in his brain, which happens to a lot of people. And this was a completely unrelated thing to the ABM, whereas a lot of people have this problem where, so the human body, it, gets that pressure in your brain 
but then it also filters it for you to go to your stomach, I believe. That's right. Right, yeah. yeah. Some people, they're born with it and it doesn't do that. Mm. And what they do is they put this, it's called a shunt in the back in the side of their head and it filters for you. And it's just, it's a simple operation, gets rid of the pressure and you can really live your whole life without, someone, without knowing that you had it there, really. It, so they went, we went from Sydney to John Hunter Hospital, I believe. And this is where my brother was 18, so he, he had the choice of whether we go through with it or not. And he eventually said yes. And this is when praying a lot, saying this is going to work and everything. Uh, they operated, and there was so much pressure. They said, "Listen, if you send no, we still have to do it because it was that bad." Everything went fine, really. The shunt worked it perfectly. He got home a few weeks later. Everything was great. Then. It, like, so the, the family was still like in school at this point, they're like, what's happening? And then went back to normal. He didn't show up to school for a while. He made it to school for a day, which was really good. No one was expecting him to show up there. He got there. And I was at work one day, and I had, so I used to work in retail, and during my break, I was like, I just have this funny feeling I need to ring mum. I was like, hey, is there anything good at home? And she goes, uh, actually, we just took girls to the hospital again. Something wasn't right. And... I was just like in a bad headspace of, space of like doing my work, I was behind, I need to get back to work, I was like okay then, I'll see you there because my dad will pick me up, I didn't have my license by then. And we went there and from the morning I left to work to that afternoon, it looked completely different, like he was just sitting in bed, fine, like you could tell he was fine, but he just didn't seem in at all. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know it was wrong, so the shunt mustn't have been working, mustn't have been flowing enough, or something they said. But even then, it didn't work when they did scans on it. So, a couple of days later, I think I was at home just hanging. And there's a lot, I'll just point out now, this year, that year, I pretty much spent the whole year alone by myself because my parents were always with my brother. I was fine with it, and I don't blame them at all for it because it's fairer. But I did not have a family that year, I guess. So it means I didn't get out of the house much because I didn't have a license. I was certainly 16 at the time. I didn't do much and that kind of threw off that year for me, I guess. And I didn't try that hard at school either. And that really did affect the rest of my schooling life where I just gave up on school. I was like, well, I know my plans after school. I don't care about it. And I probably should have tried a little bit harder. I'm going to be honest. It was a bit of a waste of time going to school at that point, besides the friends I made there, I guess. And back to my brother. So I don't remember what I was doing at the time. I don't know if mum was there or I got a call. And she basically went, he's in ICU again. He had a seizure after them noticing the seizure. And all the doctors and nurses around didn't pay much attention to it. And because of that, he had a massive seizure, was in ICU. Uh, I think he was in there for a good six months or something, maybe not that long, maybe four, and he felt like a long time. In a non-responsive state, meaning couldn't talk, couldn't move. He was just kind of there. You can kind of, the only response you really get is you can see him looking around at every now and then. And once again, I didn't really have a feeling during all that because it would be, my dad took part, my dad would work during the day, my mum would be there during, yeah, my dad worked during the day while my mum was in ICU with him. My dad would then go to work, come home, have a shower, you know, get changed, 
go to the hospital, mum would come home to sleep, and it was like that every day. And nothing got fixed there. Doctors didn't know what they could do. Nothing really could come of it. And he eventually came home. And it was just during, just before Christmas, he came home. So he came home for my birthday for one day, which was awesome. And then he came home after that. And we were just, nothing was normal, but we were trying to make it normal. And so Christmas day came, literally three, I think it was like three o'clock in the morning. Mum shakes me awake and goes, listen, we're just calling the ambulance. Joel's not looking right. We're gonna go to the hospital again. And so Christmas was probably like, was probably one worst year, Christmas ever. And spent the day pretty much in the hospital, went home, didn't do much, didn't meet, see up, meet up with anyone. It was a hard day for a whole family. And it was a real struggle because we're trying to get this normal life back on track, which just wasn't happening, but we're trying. And then we just got that thrown at us. And still to this day, he's home now. We got out of the hospital again. He's home. He's still in an unresponsive state where he can't talk, move, he's still in a wheelchair. You can just kind of see him looking around every now and then. And that's where we're at still in our, in our lives, in our family life. And I pray about it a lot, but the doctors can't do anything about it. But that's where my main testimony comes in where hope and faith is a big thing for everyone's life. So not giving up hope is probably the only thing that's kept me going through all this. Otherwise, I don't know where I'd be at right now. If I didn't have hope that I knew God was going to heal me eventually, it, I don't know what to do. And having that faith that knowing God will do something eventually is all I've got left, to be honest. And it's a year and a half later now since all that happened. He's still in an unresponsive state, a year and a half, roughly. And there's still nothing the doctors can do. But our family still has hope and faith that something's going to happen. And we pray every night. We meet together and pray. And that's all we've got. So my testimony isn't finished because nothing's been fixed yet with that. But it's going to come one day and that's all I have hope for. So that's pretty much my testimony right now. And I hope you guys at home, if you're going through something really hard as well, just have that hope that someone's going to be there for you, especially God. And that it's going to happen. It's going to, something's going to happen. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that and the courage to share that. It's fantastic. Thanks. Do you have any, uh, any questions? Um, no, that's just, that's really powerful, man. Um, definitely still believe in praying that your testimony will be heard. Yeah, I have one question. <laughs> so, on the initial time where Joel had to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. so when you were just going through the high school, yeah. um, how much of an impact did that have on you in like your friendship groups, your social groups? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually felt like I got a bit closer with my friends at that point. So the people I just casually talked to, I didn't no close during that time they really reached out to me but people i wouldn't expect either they really reached out to me like hey i hope it happened how are you going and i took a long time off of school because of all that 
and uh, they wouldn't just give out like one text. It was multiple, like every now and then, hey, what's, how's it going? How are you? And uh, this was a point I wouldn't even like talk to anyone because I had more important things on at the time. But they just kind of kept that connection there, which is really cool. And I lived at my nan's because they were with Joel doing a lot of that for a good while. And I had weeks off, like probably close to four or five weeks off school in a row during all that. But I still had that connection. When I went back to school, everyone was still my friend, everyone was still really close with me, and it was really good. So yeah. I've also got a question. So, um, <laughs> so um, when you're talking about sort of some of the early things that you struggled with in your life, uh, you talked about you know friend friend groups and trying to deal with that, and you talked about how you prayed about that and and how um, you know God really came through for you in some of that. I'm curious, um, what what would you say? Is the way to go about recognizing us as the threat. Ooh, that's something it took a long while for me to figure out, to be honest. Now, at the time, I didn't think much about it until I started thinking about my own testimony and realized, wow, my prayers have really been answered over the years. I wouldn't even think about it back then, to be honest. Uh, it was only more recent things, like last year, I would have gone, wow, God really did pull through during all that. And as I said, it took a long time for me to figure out that God opened so many doors for me during my course. When, like, I, like my teacher had to point it out for me because we're at the end of the year, it was like a one-on-one -on -one session we talked. He's like, so what are your plans? I was like, oh, so this happened, this happened, this happened, this is how I met, got this course, this is where I want to go. And he goes, it really does look like God opens some doors for you. And that's when it kind of clicked me, like, wow, God really does pull through. And I think that was a really good moment. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to share that and um, we'll absolutely be praying for you about that. And, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. And um, if anyone has anything they're struggling with, any prayer requests uh, that you'd like to send our way, we'd love to pray for you guys. Uh, we really believe in the power of prayer. Um, so please send us those our way. Uh, you can contact us a number of ways. We've got a contact form on the website. Uh, we've got our Instagram. We've got uh, Twitter now. Uh, lots, lots of different things. And of course, on our Discord, all the details for that will be in the description of wherever you're, uh, you're finding this. And speaking of that, we have received some questions. So... Uh, we put out a thing on the socials uh, before we began this podcast. Uh, so let's have a I'll look through those now. Um, I saw some that were really good, but I think they're, they're probably a bit big um, and maybe deserve their own their own episode. Um, however, all of his friends have been checking out. <laughs> I've got one. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's not a very big Christian question, but uh, it's uh, who's breathtaking? <laughs> I'd rightly. Rightio. 
Your friend. <laughs> there Your we go. Friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to. <laughs> Thank you. We'll take tennis earlier on. Yeah. Um, I got one question. Again, it's not uh, kind of Christian focused, but uh, do fish get thirsty? <laughs> Oh, I think this is another one of those chip questions, bro. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I think we give the answer on less. Wait, no, don't have that. Mm. Do fish get Ooh. thirsty? Do fish get thirsty? Let us know in the comments below what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait that. Pass it on to you because we're not smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, here's a, here's a quick one. Um, best Bible chapter for you personally? Mm. Chapter. Okay. Mm. Chapter. Ooh.
look at someone and they're doing some nasty stuff and they turn around, don't go, oh, well, what you've done in the past, therefore you means you're awful now. And like, don't put that out of context and saying like, someone's done something and then you said, oh, yeah, I'm good now. Trust me 100%. It's, it's more of don't dwell on the fact that what they did was wrong and they've properly considered like what they've done was wrong and they turned around like you don't dwell on the fact that what they've done is wrong therefore they're not a good person now and it, I think that was a really good story and yeah. one of my favourites mm. yeah. and the Veg Tales one is just also amazing oh yeah, so, oh, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> gotta love Veg Tales <laughs> he's my girl <laughs> oh. I reckon one of my I guess favourite ones would be David and Goliath <laughs> it's a common one but most people know it um, and I think just one big part of the story that I can take out of it and everyone um, watching is that no matter how big or small you think you are, God can still use you for bigger things. Um, and that he can use something so small to actually do the biggest impact. Um, and so that can be resembled in our actions, our words, um, just anything we do um, throughout our weeks. like. One single word can change one person's whole, like their whole um, emotion for the whole day. One single action, just by helping or telling telling someone they look mighty good today. Yeah, <laughs> your birthday. Your <laughs> um, can just change their whole attitude for the day, and so I think that's just one big powerful thing to take out of that story is that no matter how small you think something is. God can still use it to actually have a massive impact in the future. Mm. So, yeah. My absolute favorite part of the Bible is uh, Jesus' sort of speeches and statements to his disciples at the end of the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John. Um, I'm a real uh, literature person. I'm into kind of classic literature and poems and Shakespeare and all that stuff. And I really love um, the Gospel of John with its it's got such imagery and mm-hmm. uh, symbolism in it, and and the, those last few chapters um, I find just incredibly amazing. And, and you know, this is where Jesus is saying, you know, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. But when also I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you." And, and all these really statements of comfort mm-hmm. for the disciples. Before he's going to the Father, uh, it's such an amazing and powerful uh, series of statements. Yeah. Nice. Um, my favourite go-to Bible story of all time would be in Matthew seven, when Jesus is talking about the parable of the man who built his house on the rock uh, uh, and the man who built his house on the sand. Classic. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, a parable is just like um, a little example, like a narrative, uh, and it's used to illustrate ideas and themes, basically. Um, and this idea of uh, a man who built his house on the sand and a man who built his house on the rock, basically, after they built their houses, uh, the rain came, this huge storm, uh, it was blowing and beating against the houses, and the one on the sand fell, but the one on the rock stood uh, as it was built. And basically, what it's saying is, it's important that what we build our life upon, it needs a strong, firm foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
when we build our life upon uh, earthly desires, upon things we can really get caught up on, uh, things that we want, not, uh, yeah, like, yeah, bad things basically, <laughs> um, it can really, uh, yeah, it can really have effect on your life and you can well, crumble your life as a word. Mm-hmm. Um, but building your life on God's foundation, uh, continually praying, reading scripture, and yeah, really basing your life off God. Yeah, the storm will still come and the winds will still beat and the rain will still pad down, but your house will still stand mm. where it is on the rock. And um, yeah, that's an important reminder I keep close to heart. And um, yeah, that's my love for us. I love that. I love like the thought of setting yourself up for the future, but making sure you have a firm foundation. Like that's one big part of my life for my future family is that what I'm currently doing now is working towards the foundation that I want to set for my future family. That's awesome. So, yeah, I love that. 100%. Well, thank you for uh, your question uh, that you sent in. That was wonderful. And um, we received uh, a bunch of questions. Uh, we will be getting to them, uh, maybe doing full episodes on some of them. There were some pretty deep, uh, deep things. So, absolutely going to be looking into that. Please send us your questions, uh, send us your prayer requests, and uh, get ready for a really yeah. exciting stuff coming it's very, so very soon. It's going to be so good. So keen. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time left going into it, but get keen for it. So good. It's all worth it. Awesome. Well, we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Have a good week, guys. Bye-bye.